Hi everyone, welcome back to Together We Fight for All. Today we have a very special guest, Ian Pitcher from UIC. Today he's going to be giving us a little lesson on socialism and why we should care about it and sort of debunk all the like the, the misconceptions on socialism. So Ian, if you wanted to introduce yourself. Yeah, hi everyone, um, I'm Ian and I am part of YDSA at UIC. Um, my current role is like kind of quote unquote communications chair, but we're figuring out our constitution right now, but that's the quasi role I have. And that basically means do all the social media stuff and like connect people. Yeah, so I am a junior at UIC. I'm a business major, which is surprising for me to be a socialist. And I'm, yeah, that's basically me. And yeah, and as to socialism for me, socialism, like a lot of political theories, is like broad spectrum. And there's many different types and there's all these people yelling at each other being like no this is a true form of socialism in here um for the layman how i would describe socialism at least while getting into it before you can like have to read all the theory and choose which specific brand vibes with you or which brand you think has the greatest potential for success is basically just a expansion of democracy. Um, so in, in the US, we value democracy on the political field, like you can vote for whoever you want, you have political rights. However, once you enter work or a business, you only have the rights that have been won by labor in the past, which is basically rights to rest and rights to work a certain amount and not over that and things like that. However, you don't really get into say how the business is managed or how business functions or what you're going to spend your time in a business in a business. So that's one aspect of socialism, just democratic, but the workers democratically control the means of production, which can happen in various ways. Some people want state structure doing that as like a quasi way for the people to control power. And then there's like anarchy where there is no state and the people just literally control power. So that's one aspect. The other aspect is that in capitalism, if you're a worker, the amount of money you will make fundamentally is less money than you put into the value of the firm, meaning that fundamentally you will get less money than you make for a company. And that's also, that's also very, a very important aspect of socialism. And there's more to that, but that's the general setup to more intense socialist theory. So is this, why do you think people are scared of socialism? Yeah, um, they will drink water. Yes, that's many, there's many reasons. 
Um, part of it is massive propaganda campaigns by the U.S. government because there were scary entities like the Soviet Union who called themselves socialists. Now that's like a debate among socialists if they were actually socialist. But fundamentally, there are massive problems with the Soviet Union. And, but they call themselves socialist because like people in the Soviet Union like socialism as a concept. They vibed with it. It was a good thing, generally, in their minds. However, the U.S. wanted to scare people away from socialism because fundamentally, if you question the economic system of a country, that questions power. So the U.S. was like, huh. The Soviet Union is doing bad things, and we have a reason to also call them socialists. So there was that. There's also just been the United Americans have very much ingrained like the capitalist um, ideals of pulling yourself up by your bootstraps or doing being an individual, which sometimes is bad. Like to be an individual and do things individually makes sense, but when you're you come up against um, systems of oppression in society from racism to the patriarchy to capitalism. Those are fundamentally not your fault. But the United, lots of people in the United States just come up, up against these systems and are like, huh, that must be my fault if they question it at all. So there's that. There's also just Americans in general because of that have just since the time of about done away with and then one not a direct causation but one of the things that led to the 2008 market collapse was that because there was less regulations on banks and then after 2008 we put in new reforms so like that's another reason that happens do you think that socialism can potentially be dangerous even though it is something that can benefit everyone within the hierarchy i think like all ideologies it can be implemented in ways to create a ruling class to oppress people i think in my own personal opinion i think because the soviet union is a good example lenin came in with the idea of a vanguard party and that is basically where there's this ruling elite of communists who um, dictate how society should run, but fundamentally still creates a hierarchy structure. And that led to massive problems in the Soviet Union and following. Um, I'm Polish, and one of the greatest um, tragedies in Polish history was perpetrated by Stalin, a communist socialist leader at least in people's mind frames of continent where lots of polish officers were just taken to the woods and shot but that is less of really a criticism of socialism and more of a criticism of a specific government putting that into effect because fundamentally the structures that created the oppression was not the socialist aspects of the economy, not the um, people owning their workplace. It was the people ruling that society. And that happens in all kinds of societies. But the criticism with capitalism is that 
the abuses of capitalism are less so ingrained in the people perpetrating that system and more so in the system itself. Because if you have a good boss, using my example from before, you still won't be paid the value that you put into a company. Like, even if your boss is amazing, you might be paid more, you might be treated better and not, like, your wages won't be stolen in the sense of, like, literally illegal, not, like, this figuratively, abstractly um, theft of that. So, and also... Capitalism requires a underclass. There always has to be people to produce and people that own and that. And sometimes there's that middle class between those. Fundamentally, for one class to have things and have so, so much, one group of people has to have nothing or barely anything. So given that we are currently living in this very capitalistic society, how do you think we can switch over or, you know, kind of have like a happy balance between capitalism and socialism, or if there is such a thing. I think fundamentally, the journey and the struggle towards socialism is something that will take time and generations. Like, is that going to happen tomorrow? It requires work. However, one thing, one society that could be brought about in our lifetimes is like a social democracy. This is like your Bernie Sanders, your AOC, your UK, your, and with a strong social safety net. And that doesn't make a lot of socialists happy because a lot of them are like, yes, revolution now. Frankly, we don't live in a big place that even if I advised for a like actual revolution. Frankly, if we had one right now, the far right would win. That's the country we live in. And so our work as socialists is to fundamentally work towards people's material well-being to improve. And as I see it, the best improvement right now would be to expand the social safety net. And I think that can is attainable in our time, in our lifetime. And I hope at the very least we can get there. And it's very much needed. So something that the feminist movement is trying to do is getting women into um, leadership positions and working within the system so that things are better for the people that are that tend to be at the bottom of the hierarchy and that includes women how do you think how do you think capitalism makes it so that women kind of stay at that bottom tier and how do you think socialism might get us get women into leadership positions well the thing about capitalism and our society right now is that like capitalism is one of the systems of oppression it exists and it's tied so much more to all the other systems of oppression but if we abolish capitalism today the patriarchy will still be there racism will still be there imperialism 
will probably be there. So that's part of it. That's why as socialists, we have to fight against all the systems of oppression. However, even saying that, um, socialism ideally allows for more voice of the marginalized because typically it is a bottom-up strategy. You work in the community, you highlight voices from the community rather than a bottom-up approach. And with that, like, the example of AOC even, she was a community organizer in New York and people like the DSA other people and justice Democrats came around her because people in the community knew her and she was able to get into that place of power. That's one way, but also another way is to build coalitions with various groups, especially of those groups who know more about a certain topic and socialists, at least now, are working towards a more so leaderless system of organizing, meaning listen to the people who know shit the topics you're talking about or actually feel or experience the systems of oppression and highlight their voices. And that fundamentally makes them have more power since obviously their stories are more important. I, as a white man, cannot be... I can help in the fight against racism, but I should not be the main voice fighting against racism because frankly, I cannot highlight those struggles well enough. And I think that's at least approaching the answer So I know that the healthcare system and capitalism have kind of been intertwining, at least lately. How do you think that socialism might help relieve some of that. Yeah, I know. So the hospital system, especially in the United States, as you mentioned, is so ingrained with that profit motive. Hospitals are companies. They generally are trying to maximize the profit for their shareholders. And that's not because hospitals are some big evil that's just how capitalism works like and so what socialism or a socialist system or a social democracy would do in this in that the healthcare industry is socialize it or nationalize it meaning taking away the profit motive from hospitals but doing it in a way that is efficient because one problem with for example, Obamacare or anything that is not a universal healthcare system is that it ends up the poor, poorer people will go into the pool of people that are on the government healthcare because it's cheaper and they can afford it. And then the rich people will get the better healthcare because insurance companies will take advantage of this cost-reducing government thing. But if you nationalize a healthcare system, it acts in the same way as like social security. Everyone pays into it. And meaning that it will be more efficient and the 
outcomes will be better and cheaper because not only that, but if you nationalize healthcare, I think I was lost there for a second. Yeah, I think you froze. Um, just you were saying something about nationalizing healthcare. Hello, I was talking about nationalized healthcare. I don't know exactly where I was, but yeah, the goal of national healthcare is would not be to maximize profit either for the shareholders or the company. It would be to help sick people, and even more so to prevent people from getting sick in the first place. Because if you are a hospital, well, less so a hospital, but if you're a pharmaceutical pharmaceutical company, you want to sell as many drugs as you can. So there's no point for preventing diseases that will make your revenue go higher. Like this is why these CEOs are jacking up prices for really needed drugs that because they can, because if you need a drug to cure your cancer, I know that's not a thing, but if you needed one, that is a, to use a economic term, is an inelastic, there's inelastic demand there. You will pay whatever price you need to pay. And that's why even under like capitalism, it doesn't make sense because it doesn't do what a capitalist system is supposed to. Supply does not equal demand. Well, no, the price is not where supply equals demand because demand is a straight up and down line. So when it comes to nonprofits, um, such as Planned Parenthood, how does capitalism kind of play into that? Because I know we get our our money from the government, but then we also get donations. And then there were some issues when Trump was in office with the money we were receiving. So how does how does that all work? Well, ideally, ideally under a socialist utopia, like the ideal circumstance, we wouldn't need um, nonprofits just because all the major issues would be solved. However, like under a social democracy, like, as for funding streams, I don't know. I don't know how about that specifically. But the problems y'all are working towards reducing or other um, nonprofits are working towards reducing would be in turn reduced because of having better access to hospitals, healthcare, food, schooling, all of that and not i don't think for example in our social democracy uh, nonprofits would still be like but y'all would have less work to do so what what made you what made you want to be a socialist or how come you're against a capitalistic um society and why are you a business major (laughs) given all that okay i'll address the last one first (laughs) um well my first reason is fundamentally like the valuation of majors in this society is one that are productive so like business majors and science and like engineers and are all like super valued and then 
more interested in like the liberal artsy majors are less valued. And that's not what it should be because frankly, teachers are really needed and that is not valued enough. Or even doctors will eventually be paid a lot of money. If you've ever been friends with a pre-med or now like how, what all the schooling doctors have to go through, they don't get a life. And some of that is fair, but some of that is like, your GPA in this, you must get an A in this history class. I don't care if my doctor knows that, but that's one, that's one part. The other benefit of being a business major is that I know what I'm talking about, at least generally, when I'm criticizing the capitalist systems, because I'm learning how they function. And lots of uh, socialists, unfortunately, don't spend time judging how the system actually functions. They don't like the abstract, and like you can learn a lot from the abstract or just living under a system, but like there's certain things that would never come up, especially among socialist circles, so there's that. Um, as to why I'm a socialist now, it comes from a lot of sources. My family was generally liberal, that's, and then I became more radical than that. Um, it comes actually partly from my religion. I'm a Christian, and that partly, and partly from a reading, and partly from looking around at society and being like, well, shit's fucked up, and all these minor fixes that people are trying to do aren't really helping that much. And, huh, like, we've lived through 2008, though we were small, and now we're in another recession. Like, that's just how the system functions. And then you look at the healthcare system, and all of these things driven by profit that shouldn't be. And that drives you to socialism. And as to mention towards my religion, um, I'm a Christian and the Bible read through a radical lens is intense. And one of my favorite MLK quotes is something along the lines of it's all, it's all, it's fine to be like a good Samaritan. That's good. And for those who don't know, the good Samaritan was just this person from a land that was unlikely to help a person by the side of the road, but they did. Like, that's all great. It's good to be helpful when people don't think you will be. But why is Jericho Road in this place? Why is the system here causing so many people to end up on the side of the road? And the Bible is just this place of intense criticism to our system that's often is used as a form of oppression. But so there's that. That also leads me towards questioning the systems because love for me, like this universal agape love is also justice because if I see the people I love or the people I care about or my neighbor being hurt by these oppressive systems, I can't ignore that. I just can't. Like, and I have to do something about it.
racism and imperialism. And sadly, the list goes on. I feel like I feel like we're learning a lot as a society, and I feel like we're trying to get better people into positions of power. Um, just so that we can make things better. Even if we do continue to live in a capitalistic society, I think we're working towards something that includes everyone, a society that people can live somewhat comfortably in. And we are running out of time. So I wanted to ask Ian a question that we always ask our guests at the end. If you were a form of contraception, which one would you be and why? I think I would be an IUD just because, frankly, putting it in seems uncomfy, but like once it is in, you don't have to worry about it. Like condoms are fine and like good, but then you also have to throw it away and usually not biodegradable, so bad for the environment in that sense. And seems like I just, I hear lots of people um, appreciate that and feel liberated by them. I like that one. I said that I would be the implant just because I wanted to stick around longer. 